God desires to birth something within all of us, something we don't have the ability to do on our own, but we think we do. And doing so lands us in a pit of exhaustion, frustration, where we are maxed out every single time. What if rather than exhausting ourselves in frustration, we learn to simplify things by learning to invite him in? Thirty-five thousand decisions. That's the average number one adult makes a day. Some are minuscule, others are paradigm shifting. But how many are we making? And we're not even considering the ripple effect they're setting into motion. She chooses as a place purpose to help women harness decision-making power by allowing God to open our eyes and give us courage to make the one that leads to obedience to His plan, the one that leads us to the promise of hope and future that he's laid out for each of us. If you find yourself in a place where life seems to be obstructing that view and your current state is stuck, meet me at She Chooses where together we work intentionally to choose Jesus over and over again. Listen up. It is so encouraging for me to hear from you guys. If today's episode is helpful to you, do me a favor. Snag a screenshot on your phone or whatever device you're listening on and post it up on your story on Instagram and tag me at JD Hartsey or jump on Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. When you do, you help get the word out and you raise She Chooses in the search results of others. And hey, SheChooses.com is going through a serious overhaul and you just might find your review being posted up on the new site. I look forward to hearing from you guys. Listen up, guys. I am so beyond excited about this Shunammite Woman series. I'm working through this study with a small group of friends right now and am loving every crazy moment. After we wrap up this episode series, I'm going to be offering this as a free resource, either a document download, an ebook, something on the She Chooses website. This is a great study to either dive into on your own or grab a group of friends and start digging in together. There's something super remarkable that happens when women start digging into the word together. And these lessons are perfectly fitting for the woman on the go that has a small snippet of time open, yet still wants to get the word of God active in her day. So stick around, stay tuned, and check it out. I'm so excited. Welcome to episode number 12 of the She Chooses podcast. Today, we are stepping into part four of our study on the Shunammite woman. We're looking at her life, and we are using her as a pattern, showing how to make our faith part of our everyday life. If you're just now stepping into this series, I highly recommend you bounce on back to episode number nine, where you're going to find that this series starts. So far in this study, we've acknowledged that the Shunammite woman is nameless, and the namelessness of her story doesn't mean that God is less favorable towards women. Names matter to us, but the only name that really ultimately matters is Jesus. When we look at her as this nameless woman, the message of her life and the personal application to our own becomes so much clearer. 
It also, it proves a vital truth that we all need to get behind and accept. We don't have to have a name that everyone knows. We don't have to have a certain pedigree. We don't have to have a certain social standard to matter to God. These things may matter to people. These things don't matter to God. You don't have to be known by everyone to be known by God. Your name doesn't have to be a household name to make an impact on God's kingdom or to have God's attention for that matter. In the next session after that, we focused on the progression the Shunammite woman lays out for us. Guys, living for God is not a one and done moment with God. It doesn't involve checklists. It involves daily walking. And for those of us that are slower at receiving and understanding different things about him, she demonstrates to us really beautifully that her relationship with him is progressive. It is indeed a process and daily living, uh, trying, falling down, getting back up sort of thing that lasts for our entire life. We then ventured into a third episode where we talked about the necessity of creating space in our life and what sort of furnishings need to make up that space. When you look at these accommodations that we laid out, you need to remember it's okay to start small, take things piece by piece. Living for God is a marathon. I have never run a marathon, but have done a 5K. That was enough for me to sort of get an understanding of what this kind of means. And what I do know about marathon running or even 5K running, you don't wake up one day, go out and run those 26 miles. You train. You start out slow. You increase gradually through endurance and perseverance. The same is true here with our relationship with God. Today, we're stepping into another component of her story. We're talking about God's desire to do something in us that we can't do on our own and the need for us to have faith and trust in Him. So let's get started. Second Kings chapter 4, verse 16 through 21 tells us this. And he said, About this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, Nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. And the woman conceived and bare a son at the season that Elisha had said unto her, according to the time of life. And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father, to the reapers. And he said unto his father, My head, my head. And he said to a lad, Carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door behind him and went out. Prior to this, remember, Elisha had asked her, What can I do for you? What can I ask the king to do for you? Contentment led her to say, I dwell among my own people, which means I have all I need. I love looking at this statement of contentment because it's really captivating to me. Contentment is something that many of us struggle with or we have fought a vicious battle to overcome and to obtain. If you haven't reached that place where you can say that you're, con you're content on what God has given you, I promise you that this is a battle that is worth every moment spent enduring and fighting. What had this Shunammite woman figured out that we need to figure out? What I see in her is she learned to focus on what she had, not what she lacked. 
That's tough stuff, like rubber meets the road, stronghold in your mind, tearing down, speak into the mirror, talking to yourself, saying, I'm thankful for what I've been given. I'm thankful for who I am. You know, thank you, God, for the blessings that you have given me in everything. God, help me to focus on what you have made me. Thank you for blessing those who have what I think I want. And please help me to focus on what you have made me, what you have given me. It's a take it to the cross every crazy time you catch yourself thinking kind of thing. And ladies, we've got to get this figured out. And to do so, we have to ask God's help in opening up our minds to see that we truly do have all that we need and to acknowledge that God has provided those needs, not necessarily what we want. We have all we need in him. The Shunammite woman contented herself on God's provision. She contented herself on where she was in life in that moment. We read in that chunk of scripture that the Shunammite, she did indeed lack something. And that something was a child, which when we look at the ancient world, we need to have an understanding if we don't already know, barrenness had a terrible stigma attached to it. And we even know that she had a lingering pain over it because of the response when she's told she's going to bear a a child. But before that, she chooses to withhold that request. It also leads me to Philippians chapter 4 verses 11 to 13, where we find Paul He's saying, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul was writing these words to the church of Philippi from a prison cell. A prison cell of all places, and he was still able to reach that state of contentment. The Shunammite woman, she appears to know this exact same concept that we hear about in the New Testament. Did she have pain in her life? Absolutely, it is clear. But she learned to be content in God's plan. I don't believe that this was easy for her. And I think we can see that truth when we hear that response. True contentment comes from several principles that I want to talk about real briefly. And when we look at her story from the beginning to the end, we see every single one of these pieces laid out. First, it comes from a giving heart, hospitality, you know, caring for the needs of others. Second, it comes from making God a priority. She did that. She created space in her home. She made him a priority. Third, involves thankfulness. She accepted God's provision. We see that when she responds to Elisha, when he's asking, what can I do for you? And she has, she's grateful for what God has done for her and his provision. When I read of that, it makes me think of Luke chapter 12, verse 22, and then verses 30 through 31, where it says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on, for your father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. She did that. We see that. She did that. The fourth thing, rejected a fearful spirit. We see in this lesson today, her son dies. She takes him to the prophet's bed, shuts the door, and doesn't tell anyone. Sure, there was a temptation to be afraid, and she was taking actions that were rejecting that spirit step by step. The fifth component is to seek God's will. 
We're going to see that in the next study. The sixth is to stand up to fear. We see this more in next week's study as well. And the seventh is to trust God. Again, we'll see that in our next study as well. All of these elements will lead us to contentment. This week, I want us to be really focused in on each of these principles, covering them all in prayer and talking to God, asking him to show us those areas where we can be doing better. We want contentment, friends. We need contentment. Back to our story, though. Elisha, however, he is not content with her response. He wants to bless her. So Gehazi, he shares with Elisha that the woman, she doesn't have a child and her husband is old. As we said already, barrenness in these ancient times was had this terrible stigma attached to it. So this Shunammite, she has this ache inside of her, but she's not speaking about it. She's content. And we know, again, that there's that deep pain by the response that she gives. And that response reveals a desire in her heart. We need to look at her response to Elisha a couple of different ways before we move forward. The first is this is a prime example of God seeing the desire of our heart. Psalms chapter 37 verse 4 tells us, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Her focus on God and keeping him first led her to build a chamber for the prophet inside her home. Doing so led God to build up her own home. She thought she was building him a room, but God was building her home. We see that in this miracle that takes place. We also need to do a little bit of checking within ourselves. Had the Shunammite been withholding her need from the one who actually had the ability to do something about it? Was this one of those I'm fine moments that we as women are notorious for? Sometimes we are very guilty of relying on the physical more than the spiritual. We can easily put our hope in people more than we put our hope in God. We can do that when we think, you know, if God desires this for me, someone will just know and they'll tell me or it will just happen. Or we might think if God really desires this, it's just going to happen. But that's just not how it works. Faith is a belief in things unseen. So to exercise our faith, we have to step into a place of vulnerability where we open up our imperfection. We talk to God about our perceived shortcomings and the things that we hide from everyone else. We bring them to him. Even the pain that is hard for us to talk about, the dreams that we feel like aren't worth his time, we shove them under the rug and we don't want to bother God with them. If that was the case, if that is the case and we're doing this sort of thing, We need to think through and ask ourselves, is this happening? Is there a whole lot of yearning within us? Is there something that we're not talking to God about for whatever reason? Maybe it's shame, it's doubt, it's feeling unworthy. What are we hiding? Are we hiding depression? Are we hiding loneliness? Are we hiding sickness? Just accepting these things, assuming, you know, this is just part of our lot rather than bringing them to God in prayer and asking for his guidance in each of these areas. The Shunammite woman, she desired to birth something. Here we see a physical birth, a physical miracle happening, but that is not the only thing that can be birthed in a person's life. That isn't necessarily what God desires to birth through our life. Too often we focus on the things our eyes see 
And those are the things that we'll declare a miracle or a healing about. But there are also mental and emotional healings and miracles that happen as well. And I'm sure many of us have been a recipient of those things. A person that's been bound in depression and freed from it understands that that is a work of God, a healing that only he can perform. And the clarity that you experience once you overcome this sort of thing and the newness of life you feel, that joy that is unleashed feels absolutely supernatural because it is. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 tells us, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should shew forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Shew forth. Shew forth in that verse, when you translate it back to its original meaning, means to send a message. I imagine that like we're called to be a, a billboard, a message reader for God's grace and mercy to propel his message to a generation that we're not going to see on our own. But we've got to do our part so that this perpetual message can keep moving forward through the generations to come after us. Friends, we get to be a part of that, which is so absolutely remarkable to think about. But we can't do it on our own, just like the Shunammite lacked the ability to conceive. She wanted that child. She ached for that child. But she brought herself to that place where she had contented herself, not even willing to talk about the secret inner desire of her heart. Sometimes we do get to that same place. We all probably have this secret ache within us that we brush aside and think it's just too late for that one or no way I'm not even worthy for God to use my life for that. And we just determine that we're not going to bring it to God. We content ourselves where we are. But God sees the desire of our heart just like God saw the desire of the Shunammite. The purpose God has for us isn't one that we can live out on our own. God's will for us goes beyond us. So we can send forth that message and leave an impact on those that are around us. The Shunammite was giving birth to a child that was going to stretch beyond her. This child was going to serve as a testimony to God's goodness and serve as a demonstration to his power to everyone that knew her. God has a purpose for us too, one that we cannot achieve without him and one that is going to stretch beyond us, serving as a declaration, a demonstration of who he is to those that are around us in our realm of influence. God wants to help us with that message our life is proclaiming. He wants to make it loud. He wants to make it clear. It was obvious to those around the Shunammite that the child born to her and her husband was a miracle. God wants to birth something in us that is just as loud and just as clear, letting everyone around us know he has done something in our life. That can be seen in our work ethic at the office through our demonstration of Christ-like love and kindness, truly living out the love of our neighbor, hospitality, parenting, so many different ways. Maybe it's deliverance from an addiction, saving a marriage. There are so many ways that God desires to amplify that message of our life. And sometimes we pigeonhole him into only being able to do that by one method. The Shunammite's relationship with Elisha, it opened her up to something she never dreamed possible, which is exactly what our relationship with God will do. What God desires to do with us is going to last longer than we will 
and it will be so much bigger than we are. But we're not responsible for that part. We've got to focus on the part that we are responsible for, which is the faith-building portion. God says that part is enough for us, and what we find in the Shunammite is that that can be way more than we feel like we can bear. We find in this chunk of scripture that we're studying that tragedy strikes. Her desire, her dream has died. Sometimes this same thing happens to us. When this happens, our desire, our dream seems lost. We can battle hurt, anger. We can throw our hands up. We can start to sulk. But that's not what the Shunammite does. Instead, what she does is she lays her child, who has died, on the bed of the man of God. She shuts the door behind her and she goes out. And here is where we see faith and trust in action. Faith. We see that because she is believing for a resurrection. She's casting her cares on the Lord and seeking him. She's laid her son in that place of rest. She's not speaking death. She has cast her care on the Lord, on that place of rest. She has laid her son on that bed and she's not speaking death. She is only speaking hope. She laid her child on that bed, that resting place of the prophet. When she goes to ask for the donkey and asks her husband's permission to go to Elisha, she didn't even tell her husband that their child had died. She said, it shall be well. Those are four words that we have got to train ourselves to respond with. It shall be well. It shall be well. It shall be well. She did not accept that this was the end of her dream, no matter what her eyes saw. She trusted the man of God for the answer. Sometimes we walk through situations where it seems like God has spoken to us or the promises he's revealed are now appearing dead or they're lost to us. She shows us in the midst of what had felt, it had to have felt impossible to her, our need to speak faith and hope and to seek God. We also see trust. We see trust because she's going to her husband asking to go to the man of God. Trust can be a really hard thing. But Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 tells us, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. She didn't get mad at Elisha because it looked like what he had given her had died. She sought him to seek help. She understood that God did something miraculous before. He will do it again, which is something we have to remind ourselves about when we experience times when the promises of God seem to be gone. So let's talk about trust for a minute. Trust is a struggle sometimes more of a struggle for some than others, which is the same struggle we end up with. Thank you, Eve. But guys, there is hope, and our hope is in Jesus, and it's the same hope that we see the Shunammite woman demonstrating, knowing God has everything in his hands and trusting his process. The ability to do so sounds really simple, and actually it is really simple, but simple is not easy. Simple and easy are two very different things. Next week, we're going to step into the hard part of what she endured. That's where we're going to wrap up our discussion for today. Until next week, let's think on contentment. Covering those points that I, I laid out as we've had this discussion today, let's consider, are we bringing everything to God? Or are there things that we don't want to waste God's time with? 
Is there pain that we just don't want to reveal to him? We need to ask God to open up our eyes to those things. As he does, we need to be sure to acknowledge the fact that God is omniscient. He already knows what we may be hiding. He sees it. He still loves us. He's just waiting for us to profess it, confess it, speak it to him. God knows it all, but he has purposed himself to work through prayer. We have to be sure that we are doing our part in speaking to him about it through prayer. We have to think through too, is there a desire in our heart that we're hiding, that we're not willing to discuss with him? Take this week and pray over that desire in your heart specifically. Share that with God and trust his plan. Also take time to consider where do you stand when it comes to faith and trust? We talked about the faith and trust required of the Shunammite, and we'll go deeper into that, but it requires some time on our own to think about our own level of faith and trust. So until next week, thanks guys. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for taking this journey with me. I'll talk to you again soon. You just listened to an episode of the She Chooses podcast. I pray you were encouraged by the message you heard today. And I pray that the choice before you the one that leads to Jesus is shining bright in front of you. Until next time, let's be intentional. Let's be focused. Let's be diligent. And let's be the she's that choose Jesus.